Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Fred Armisen was one of the longest-serving cast members of Saturday Night Live, spending 11 seasons as Ferrisito, Prince, Barack Obama, and more. He has since gone on to star in eight seasons of Portlandia on IFC, two seasons voicing Big Mouth on Netflix, another two seasons of Documentary Now on IFC, one season counting of Forever on Amazon Prime Video, and he just put out his first solo comedy special in 2018, the Grammy-nominated Stand-Up for Drummers on Netflix. That doesn't leave much time to lead the band for Late Night with Seth Meyers, but a third season of Documentary Now premieres in February 2019, and there's a lot to get to, so let's get to it! Hey, how's it going? (laughs) It's going well on a Friday afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing really well. Um... It, it, it's so funny how like it's it's in like Friday afternoon, but it, I can't tell what like day of the week it is really because of all the vacation stuff. Yeah, and the holidays, so, it's hard um, to know where we are really. Yeah, and also uh, I see but here we are. I see. <laughs> well, I see you're about to do another live edition of your stand up for drummers tomorrow night this weekend in uh, at Largo. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be. I, I'm. I'm going to sort of expand it a little so that it's. It's not just drumming stuff. It'll be some guitar stuff too. Oh, very nice. Um, yeah. Does Does it surprise you at all that that it's the stand ups for drummers special that gets you the Grammy nomination and not all of the work with Trenchmouth or Blue Man Group or? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like a real. It's a real lesson in, um, you know, what you imagine, what I imagined the, the, are the ways things go mm-hmm. um, compared to, like, what, what really happens. And I guess it's nice. It's nice that, like, you know, I wasn't, like, groomed to, you know, uh, go for the Grammy so early on or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it is, like... I guess it's kind of like how it should be. It should be this kind of a surprise that not everything is sort of uh, the path to, you know, all these, uh, to things like this isn't always like um, evident right away. So it's like, it's like a nice thing. Like, like I, a long time ago, um, just, and I also, I'm not against, you know, institutions and Mm -hmm. stuff and, um, and awards and stuff. I just, a long time ago was like, well, I'm in a punk band. So, um, Grammys and things like that. That just you know, that's just for uh, a different group of people. But mm-hmm. I was always into it. Like I always like liked the little victories. You know, like your whatever favorite band or like when Arcade Fire got one mm-hmm. or back or somebody. There's always like little victories. You know. What What do you think it would mean if you won the the comedy album Grammy? I try not to think about it mm-hmm. like that because then I think it creates like too too much expectation in my head. Like I am so surprised by it that I'm just going to, I'm choosing to enjoy being nominated. Right. Like I just, all I want to do is think, 
oh my God, somewhere in the Grammy building, you know, my name is there. I'm good. I, I'm very like, I, I'm very um, excited about mm-hmm. it. And that's, it's really nice. So I, you know, um, I, I'm friends with the other nominees too. So, um, me and Pat and Oswalt were texting each other and Jim Gaffigan and stuff. And it, that's the other fun part of it. Like, I don't feel like I'm with a bunch of strangers and like, you know, when then it's like a different experience. Like right. it's kind of nice that, um, we're all friends and I, I feel like we all like each other's work. Do you think that means you all get yeah. to sit together at the Grammys? I hope so. <laughs> How do you communicate what you said at the at the top about this is the way it, it it was supposed to play out? How do you communicate that to a younger artist? You know, those younger artists who want everything right away and don't realize you might have to wait twenty years for for the. I the know, I know. Let me think about that for a second. I would give them my advice would be one of optimism, mm-hmm. of like, don't worry going to work out it's not the plan that you have in your head this timeline that you have in your head the way that it looks it's not going to look like that but it's actually going to be better than that so just relax and and work on what you like to work on and even though it's going to look different that's it's because it's going to be better than you expect yeah so be patient don't you know don't um Give, especially don't be hard on yourself about stuff. And I, I've just, over the years, I've just learned it. Like there's so much stuff that I was like, oh, I, you know, I, I did so much wishing. Mm-hmm. And then if someone had told me, oh, just don't worry about it. If you're going to, because you have ambition, that's good. But you can't, you're not allowed to dictate exactly how it's going to go. Let well, someone else will decide for you, which is the fun of it. It's like, the, that's the fun of, you know, um, arriving to whatever that is. Yeah, because... You know, when I was in a band, oh my God, when I was in a band, like, I really, it was very important to me that, like, uh, we were as famous as the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That I remember thinking that thought, like, oh, we got to get signed, and then hopefully, you know, uh, we'll be as big as the Chili Peppers. And then that disappointment, you know, I... I, I didn't take it that hard, but mm-hmm. it, it would have been... I I would tell myself, oh, don't you you'll get to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers and hang out with them and work with them. Don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> and someday you'll be involved in not one, not two, but four or five different TV shows at the same time. Yeah, it's it's kind of, yeah, it's but, kind of crazy when you actually start to to chart it all together, as I did preparing to talk to you. Because, you know, just as you're ending Portlandia, you still got documentary now. Uh, you have the great new show Forever with Maya. Uh, you're voicing on Big Mouth. You've got the HBO series that you've been working on. And then and then you throw a Netflix special in the middle of it. It's it's almost it's it's no wonder. Yeah, it's no wonder that I can't remember the last time you were hanging out on late night with Seth Meyers. <laughs> I think that, like, uh, I just like doing stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's uh, even, you know, it's not the, um, I don't know if it's the coolest answer, but it's just, I, I love it. Like, I enjoy it. I feel like when I have an opportunity to do something, I think, oh, great. Uh, sounds fun, you know? And 
a lot of these projects, they, I work on them for like, you know, I don't know, three months or something. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's easy to switch them out, you know, three months of this and then, you know, uh, travel there, um, work on that, Mm -hmm. do the Seth show for a week, you know, here and there. So it's, um, it's all very, a really, really lucky thing. Yeah, we, you know, going back to the very, very the idea of of the timeline and not being what you might have imagined it was going to be, uh, you went to high school with Jim Brewer, is that right? I did, yeah. So it strikes me, like, you go to school with Jim and then he, you know, he gets SNL in the 90s and did you have, but you didn't have a thought in your mind then to be a comedian. You were still focused on music. At that point. Right. Correct. So when you saw him get that, was there anything in your mind that would that like opened up the possibility or or wondered how come how come he's doing this and I'm no, sitting here I wasn't, and I wasn't I wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. I was, it's the weirdest thing where I was happy for him and maybe it's good actually. It's really good that I wasn't doing comedy because then I would be like, Well, why does he get to do it? Mm-hmm. I I was so busy with music that I was like, Oh Jim, I know him from high school. How great for him. Okay. Oh, great. He's on SNL. That's so cool. And then I was in, you know, Minneapolis or, or Madison or something, you know, like on tour mm-hmm. and just, my, I was just focused on like, Oh, I hope we get to play a show with Fugazi or something. <laughs> you know, I was, that's where my, my mind was at. But right. I was, uh, uh, luckily I didn't have that as a, um, you know, a sort of competition. It was just, you know, it, it was just, um, two separate worlds. So what inspired you then to make that short film when you went to South by back in 98? That's 20 years ago. Or no, almost 21 years ago now. Now they were in 2019. Yeah, how crazy is that? Yeah, what, what inspired you to do that? I was going to play music at South by Southwest and uh, I was just filling in for John Langford's band and then my wife at the time, her band, and then just we we're, were just I was just playing music, but then I got this book and, you know, I was a frustrated drummer, like mm-hmm. my band Trenchmouth, we just weren't really not happening. You know, I had a great time, but we were really not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. All my friends were in bands that were doing great. Tortoise, um, Jawbox, all these bands were just getting bigger and bigger and we were getting nowhere. So I was kind of frustrated. I was like, you know, I don't know what I was turning. I was like uh, early 30s or something. And I was like, I, I don't know what's going to happen with my life. So then there's this book for South by Southwest, like how to make it in the music business. <laughs> get your songs played on the radio. How to get your song played on college radio. Uh, all this stuff that I was like, there's a guidebook to how to make it. <laughs> and I was like really frustrated at it. So mm. I um, brought a video camera and just was just... I don't know what it was. I was like, well, I'll make a video of like sort of making fun of it and like going into seminars and talking and interviewing bands and stuff. And somewhere in there, the video already started to make itself. Like it was already had more content Mm -hmm. than I ever did doing music. Like there was something more pure about it. There was something really like uh, uh, inspired about it. Like I was like, doing like a German character and a mentally disabled character and blind character. And 
all of a sudden, it, very quickly, this tape was like, it started to define me. And a friend of mine edited it, and I showed it at this club, and all these people turned out to watch the screening, more than they did to see my band. <laughs> so That's it was a very unique... It, it really, the, the club is Lounge Acts. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I don't know the numbers of people technically, but the enthusiasm for it was way more than, than the band. And also cheaper, you know. I, <laughs> I didn't have to bring equipment or anything. Right. Or Just split or split tape. the proceeds so, with the rest of the band. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's nothing. It was just all, you know, me showing a video. I think I announced it or something. And mm -hmm. then from there, it just right away, I just started doing comedy pr pretty much full time. The irony is I was so, um, you know, I was kind of like South by Southwest. How can they know how to make it in the business? And ironically, by me going to South by Southwest is how I ended up doing what I do now. So uh, and the joke was on me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I thought I was outsmarting that system, but they were now I'm so grateful to South by Southwest and that without that festival, I, I mean, I wouldn't have had that videotape. Right. They provided the, the, the platform, the, the forum for it. And, and this was all, yeah. and this was all for the younger people, uh, listening or reading this this was all before youtube so it's not like you could make this film and then immediately get it seen by millions of people and yet and yet no it, it was it, it was did sort of like make things Pony happen Express days of mm -hmm. this is like yeah it was like pre-viral viral, viral mm -hmm. where i had another friend who worked at a vhs duplicating place mm -hmm. and i would go there pay him I don't know, 20 bucks, 40 bucks, and he'd make me copies of, I'd buy the videotape and I'd make copies of it and sell it. I would sell it at uh, Quimby's bookstore in Chicago. I was living in Chicago at the time. Um, and then I went on tour with it, meaning like I just played at a club in LA, mm -hmm. San Francisco, New York. I would show it in all these different places. Um, Is that how HBO so like found out about days. it? Um, yeah. Uh, this guy, Will Tannis, worked for Warner Brothers, and he had a show called Reverb. Okay. So he saw the tape and said, do you want to interview bands on Reverb? And I was like, yeah. So that was like, right away, I was getting gigs off of that video. Yeah, HBO is the first place I saw you with the, the interstitials. It's Fred. And you're just kind of running yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like my first um, job, I guess, mm -hmm. doing doing something like that. Now, of course, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, that was. Of course, after after doing SNL, when you got around to, to making videos with Carrie, the Thunder Ant videos, then you have YouTube. You have more, uh, more technology at your disposal. When you and Carrie were making the videos that would eventually become Portlandia, did you have that in mind, or were you just fooling around? We were just fooling around. Mm -hmm. it's similar to um, South by Southwest in that it really wasn't, it was just just to do something, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just like, well, let's make something. And I liked not having an end game for it. We, we didn't monetize it. We weren't like, we're going to make it and this is going to be this. And it was, it was um, very like, uh, let's just do something mm -hmm. and see what happens. 
And then that we just made, we just put online on our own site. And I don't even, I don't even know what we were thinking. <laughs> I, I was just like, it was just like these little short pieces mm-hmm. that were just weird. And we, then we just had a bunch of them all of a sudden. Right. I, the first time I remember, I remember you, I think you showed them in Williamsburg at one of Gabe and Jenny's shows before they all moved out to LA. And oh yeah, <laughs> wow! Yeah, that That's must be something I totally forgot about. That must have been like t- two thousand nine or so, because Portlandia started in twenty eleven. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, from those tapes that we have, like a, a pilot mm-hmm. of sorts, we were able to say, look, this is what the show is going to be like. Yeah. But wow. I can't believe how back how far back I go with um Jenny and Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. The other the other kind of remarkable thing is I'm is I'm looking at your at your your CV, your your resume of sorts is how, you know, from from your the videos you do to SNL to Portlandia and documentary now it's all based on these like rich characters and then you have this show with Maya forever where you're so grounded in just this one guy was that was that part of the appeal of of it for you yeah just kind of like i think i'm going to try you know as i keep going mm-hmm. to not do i'm trying who knows if i'll succeed but <laughs> not to do what I did before. So if I stepped into that, mm-hmm. trying to do a character, um, I, I don't know. Like, it's not that, it might be a little expected. Right. I mean, who knows if all of a sudden next month I'm doing a character on something else. But for now, I'll say that with forever, I was like, well, let me try not, let, let me try to make it not seem like stuff I've done before. Yeah, you're just, you're, you're almost the, the just, straight man of the piece. As everything else whirls around you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I kind of liked it like that. Yeah. And, you know, now I have it sort of under my belt, you know. Now it's like a, um, something that, you know, I I wanted to try, especially with Maya, too, because we we both do characters so much. Right. That it's almost like I, I do it so rarely that, in a way, it's its own character, like, you know, being that normal. <laughs> Right to go from from Prince and Beyonce to this uh, otherworldly, yeah, yeah. otherworldly regular married couple who's trying to figure out what to do now. Yeah, have you have have you guys mapped out where that show is going? Nope. <laughs> I do everything little little by little, okay. and also that I didn't write any of it. That's okay. Alan Yang and so it was very sort of they they did all the mapping. Okay. So that that takes a takes an extra load off for you. Oh my god! I that was the goal. I was like, let me try something where I'm not, you know, having to think so much about writing or the script or anything. Well, yeah. How much? Which is a weird. It's not a complaint. <laughs> I'm not like, oh, well, it's a drag. I'm just saying that for once, I just wanted to. Well, no, be you, able to let someone drive. No, you're right. I mean, you know, you take a look at Documentary Now, which is coming out with its third season finally, and that show. Must take. I can't. I can't comprehend how much time and research it takes to to make even one episode of a documentary. No, it's crazy. 
It's How? crazy. Those guys, um, those directors really, they work so hard on it that I take it for granted. Like, mm-hmm. they really do research on, you know, what cameras to use and stuff. And I, I'm just like, I, I'm a few steps behind them because mm-hmm. uh, I just, I don't even know where to start with research like that. But um, I think their goal is to make each each episode is different from the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a tough thing when it's the same people. I suppose you have a sense of what really makes a great documentary or genre to take on for that show at this point, right? Yes and no, because our first pitches, when we first get together, we have all these ideas, and they're usually wrong, mm-hmm. because we're like, oh, we got to do something on whatever it is, whatever documentary we're watching, and then all of a sudden we realize that it's been done so much or, or like we don't have a good take on it. Mm-hmm. There's no funny parts to it. It's really very, um, it's a real scramble. It really is. There's so many ideas we throw away that I love. And I'm like, but it's, we can't, that's not an episode. That's not going to work for an episode. One of them was, uh, um, if you remember from season two, that uh, Mr. Hollywood one, Okay. Where Bill Hader plays a sort of Bob Evans type of guy. Right, the kid stays. That's and, the kid stays in the picture one. Yes, yeah. yes. And my character in it is like this Italian guy who does like these Italian movies, and you know that are really uh, sort of broad, broad Italian comedy. And that originally was as an idea for its own episode. I was like, I want to do one about Italian comedies from the seventies, mm-hmm. but it just there was no ideas. I, that's all I had. That's all I had. It, was, it, it could never fill a half an hour. I just thought of like two bits of me like falling down a ladder or something, mm-hmm. and then um, you know the whole the whole idea just got folded into something else. My point being just that we just it's just so many ideas, and they just all we have to figure out what's going to work, what's going to you know how can we cast it, what's going to look cool against the other ones. We don't want to do two music ones because right. too much. We you don't want to do two political ones. It's very, it's a lot to figure out. Well, and yeah, we also do it long distance. That's the other thing. Is like that show is like we are all in different places and it's all emails. Oh wow! Well, thank thank God you all get in the same room to shoot though. Yeah, <laughs> we do like an initial pitch. We do like a week of kind of getting together and then we split up and then when we shoot of course so i know that the that the new season has um takes on wild wild country it takes on the the original cast album has gotten a lot of uh, pre pre buzz and then there's a uh, the marina yeah. abramovich that's got to be a yeah <laughs> is is there is there one that you're most intrigued to see what the response is going to be um maybe that Maria Abramovich mm-hmm. one because the depiction of art is really um, hard to not m- make it look like a joke. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to, it, it can often appear as if you're making fun of art. So um, we tried really hard to keep the art looking like art, but also not making fun of it. Okay. Which is, it's a really hard weird place to um, uh, make something from, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how do you honor the art, you know, performance art and 
but also you want to make a comedy. So you just, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that we've got it right. <laughs> well, but, you know, based on the track record, I would, I would, I would think it's a good bet. Are you still doing, I know the last time I saw you perform a full show live, I think it was at the Moon Tower Festival in, in Austin a few years ago. And you were doing that, um, that yeah. bit, that bit where you would, uh, you would ask the audience members for requested accents. Where? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> how does, how does that idea even come about where you, you just take it upon yourself to go, I, I think I could nail any accent or at least, if not nail it, uh, get it right comedically. <laughs> I can't remember. I started. Do- I think I started doing it in uh, Seattle. I-, I played a festival in Seattle and I did it as a mm-hmm. bid. And I just had people line up. And I can't remember why. <laughs> I just thought it would be funny to at least try. There's something about trying that is funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes at SNL, we would like <clears throat> try to do impressions. We'd throw an impression at each other, like, okay, do so-and-so and to see how good they did it. And that was something was really fun about it. Like seeing the person struggle to like figure out what, you know, whoever was like. Right. So, um, I, I think it kind of comes from that. Um, I mean, there's some accents I can't do, so I just pray that no one asks me certain ones, you know, and then I think I've done okay. That, that, that challenging yourself, is that also kind of the genesis behind a bit like Garth and Cat, where it's like, let's go out there on, on update me and Kristen and just, I'm going to see how, yeah. how much it, I can throw her and throw the audience and, and just kind of wing it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Or how much can we, you know, try not to laugh? How much can we make it seem like a real song? Mm-hmm. All that stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, it is kind of like a little bit of a challenge. And that's another thing that I can't believe we ended up ever doing on TV because we should just do that as a bit, you know, in the hallway. Right. Also, you know, Lauren had cultivated this this ironclad reputation of not allowing any sort of improvisation. So to allow you, you and Kristen to just get out there and... <laughs> do whatever. Yeah, it's the only way it would work. Yeah. It's the only way it would work. Like if if we had rehearsed it, it just wouldn't work at all. And what would Wally put um, on the cue cards though? It was like, yeah, there'd be no idea what. It was just blank. Song one. Mm-hmm. It would just say song or music. Or, mm-hmm. That was it. <laughs> I mean, I loved. I love being on SNL so much. Like it is every day I think like, oh man, that was so much fun. And doing that sketch was like the height of it, you know, getting to to do that was just God, I loved it. Is that why it's e- it's so easy to get you to come back to do a to do a spot impersonation? Yeah. Pretty like late it's usually pretty late late minute you know like late yeah i was notice, gonna like, i was gonna ask how late how late is the notice that especially if you're in california to get to new york to do it the one the the most recent one broke a record that is the most i was literally at dinner in la on a mm-hmm. friday night i'm not exaggerating i was at dinner i was actually with will forte and jason sudeikis oh, okay we haven't seen each other nice Let's go to dinner mm-hmm. and lauren emailed me he was just like 
can you come in and do uh, a sketch? Mm-hmm. And it's Friday night. So I was at dinner arranging flights. Like, okay, I'll, I'll be on a 7 a.m. flight or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's, the most, that's the closest to, like, last minute that I've ever that's ever happened. Right, because a 7 a.m. flight in L.A. still gets into New York in the afternoon. Oh, the worst. Like, landing and going right to the studio. <laughs> I'm, not complaining. Did they even, I'm did... not complaining, like, the worst. I mean, more like, <laughs> it's the worst kind of, like, so... flying at 7 a.m. Nobody likes it. No mm. one likes flying at 7. Right, and then to to show up and be on live TV that night. Did you know, Did how much, how much yeah. info did Lauren give you for that? How much info? Yeah, in terms of, like, who you would be playing and something to, like, give you something. Very to... little. I always just trust I always <laughs> just trust the system. So, you know, sometimes a writer will get in touch with me and a writer will say, you're doing, um, uh, uh, like, a wolf or mm-hmm. something. You know, something like that. Right. But, but um, it's that I just leave. I just trust. I'm like, no. It's gonna. It'll be something fun. <laughs> you just show up at Thirty Rock and let the hair and makeup people put you in something, and then I kind of do. Go. <laughs> I kind of do. I kind of like, you know, uh, I let them know like if I have like uh-huh. how long the hair is and stuff, and if it, that's gonna work for it. But like, that's it. Wow. You know, uh, that takes some. That takes some calm nerves. Do you meditate? No, but I think being on a plane kind of like centers me a little mm-hmm. bit. So it was like a version of meditating. Okay. Um, or getting out of my head. and um, But I try, you know, even though I don't technically meditate, meditate, I do try to take time out to count or just focus on nothing. It's a good way to start the day. Okay. So now that, you know, now that, Everything is playing out the way it was ultimately supposed to for you. Where does it make it a lot easier to to just kind of embrace the future in terms of what what happens next for you? Yes, yes, that's like a lesson that like I feel like has been taught to me, like to not you know try to. Uh, like manage everything so much just to go with the little things and then let that lead the way even the stand up drummers was like that it was a a very like weird little idea but I just wanted to exercise like let me get this out of my system let me just do stand up for drummers and then I'm done I don't have to think about it I just like this idea and then you know here we are and I'm doing it some more and um, Are sometimes those... I, yeah. um, I'll think of a person who I idolize and I'll sort of think of them as a goal of a way to be. Okay. Um, but I don't, I don't hold myself so strictly to it. I'll just think of someone and I'll go like, Oh, it'd be nice to be like that person. Mm-hmm. And then I just hope for it, but I don't, I'm not strict. Who's the person that you're thinking of now? Um, I, like to think of Mark Mothersbaugh, the singer okay. from Devo, because yeah. he, he's like compo- composing music for movies, and this that's a way that he reinvented himself. Right. And 
And and in the same category, I think David Byrne, I've always like idolized him. He had his new tour where he like, you know, had a new version of like how to build a stage and how to stage instruments and stuff. So somewhere in that zone of trying to trying to keep making making things. Somewhere right. in that zone but also not repeating itself. Reinvent- I like that. I like how that looks. Reinvention. Yeah. Well. Fred, I, I, I thank you so much for for taking the time with me, and I. Uh, oh, my pleasure. I look forward to really, see. I look forward to nice seeing you at the, do. at the Grammys, win or lose. I look forward to seeing you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and where are you calling from? Where are you? I'm in uh, New York City. I'm calling from the East Village. Oh, nice. Yep. <laughs> well, great. Well, enjoy the East Village. Thank you so much, Go Fred. Check out. Um, all right, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> all right, bye. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.